0: This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters, and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome back to Ozpol Snack Pod, the podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies bring you bite-sized chunks of Australian politics, news, and memes. And we're also the official podcast of the Auspol shitposting Facebook group, so if you want more memes, more shitposts, head on over there and uh, answer the questions, or you won't get let into the group. My name is Noon, and with me in my house, recording in my house for the first time since like episode three or something, is my co-host.
0: Hey, Zach Lesnack. There was something um about the way you said, in my house, which really, <laughs> made, like, really made me feel like uh, I'm intruding.
1: Uh, no, not at all. You're but been. Uh, uh,
0: yeah, I have been invited, listeners, don't worry. I didn't, um...
1: Vampire rules are in effect, so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think we've recorded in person at your place since episode two. It was two. Okay, yeah. I yeah. think it's episode
1: two, potentially
0: three, where we had like a recorder just like
1: sitting on the table between exactly us yeah. on the
0: coffee table, and both of us like desperately trying to fill up half an hour of um, <laughs> of Ospol content. Ah, very different times.
1: We also get a photo of us sitting here uh, at our new improvised recording studio that. Looks a bit more pro than our last couple. We always mean to get selfies when we're in person, but never remember. So. Yeah.
0: No, I th- it looks good. I feel like an ABC journalist right now. Mm-hmm. Um, not emotionally. That mm. would obviously be disgusting. But <laughs> in, in a practical sense, I think that we look pretty good. We look like professional uh, podcasters. Yeah. A couple of real political
1: nobodies. That's right. And uh, where you can tell we're professional, semi-professional podcasters because we have been publishing transcripts of all of our... Uh, new coming out mm. episodes. It's on our website, Um That's if, a
0: very good point.
1: And we've got a bunch of really nice feedback from people from Steph and from Greg and from others saying that they're enjoying reading them. So that's it. So thanks, you guys. Keep keep letting us know that you're enjoying them. Uh, makes us... Yeah.
0: yeah, and spreading the word.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and uh, yeah, and, and a thank you to our patrons who help support us to do that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, And absolutely. if you like what we do and you want to support us financially, you can do so over on Patreon for as little as one US dollar a month for a monthly bonus episode. This month's bonus episode is a biography of Craig Kelly.
1: Everybody's favorite politician.
0: Yeah, everybody's favorite professional conspiracy theorist who also happens to be a sitting member of parliament. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I did a lot of reading about Craig Kelly. Um, (laughs) And I'm excited to hear all of the horrible details about him that I didn't know I didn't want to know.
0: Yeah, he's like... Simultaneously extremely boring and also quite interesting. It's... Mm, it, mm-hmm. Well, he's a politician. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that sums it up. Anyway, if you're interested in hearing more about that, sign up to our Patreon. You can get that bonus content. But for the time being, Noon, should we get into our entree this week? What have you brought for us to snack on?
1: I have brought you some stunks, Zach. <laughs> and they're constantly <laughs> expanding. Um,
0: I should have expected that, but it just still got me.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah so I mean, this is sort of international news, but it's it's really meme news, which is why I included it in the show notes without consulting Zach, um who, as long term listeners will know, you know has a pretty hard line against international politics, but yeah,
0: I think there's at least two quite flimsy reasons why you could <laughs> argue that this is technically OzPol, which we can uh, pot- potentially touch on. But I'm not to think of one. What's up anyway, with the stonks? Maybe? Yeah, yeah.
1: So listeners probably know, but a group of Redditors uh, punished an investment company for making a frowned upon type of investment called a short, uh, which ended up costing the company a couple of billion dollars and they were immediately bought out by other bigger investment companies. Mm. Um, there's been some really amazing memes have come out of it. Uh, GameStop is the stock that was being shorted and is now worth like $430 a stock or something. It, it yeah. went up to nearly 2,000% um, in a, a short period, but it definitely it's come down again.
0: surpassed $420.69 per share. Definitely. And it was down in the double digits before that. Yeah. yeah. But, like, yeah, GameStop's, GameStop's, Jesus Christ, GameStop's stock had been you know, basically plummeting because brick-and-mortar video game shops are in many ways becoming redundant, Uh, although some of the people on the Reddit in question might um, question that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, well, there's your first flimsy uh, connection to OzPol is that uh, GameStop is the parent company of EB Games. That's right. So, you know, in a way, this is kind of happening Mm here-ish. And the second flimsy connection is that uh, Reddit and... Uh, betting on the American stock exchange knows no uh, national national borders.
1: borders. Yeah. Thank you. That's very
0: true. So, you know, it's kind of happening here.
1: There's been a bunch of really cooked shit coming out of it as well as the excellent memes. Um, One of the things is that people are like, Oh, we're going to get some financial regulation, but it looks like the regulation will be against Redditors banding together to fuck up investment companies and not, yeah, regulation on shorting. Yeah, no, yeah.
0: getting together in order to massively inflate the price of a stock and thereby manipulate the market is something that only rich people should do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, financial institutions are allowed to do yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's been some kind of attempts, I think, to cast this as like, uh, like a working class uprising, right, right. Which I don't know how much evidence there is for that. Mm. Um, but. It is funny. Yes. And yeah. watching <laughs> Wall Street one. people get upset and lose mm. is very funny. Obviously, none of them can actually lose in any kind of meaningful sense. Because as right, you say, right. you know, there's many other financial institutions ready to bail them out at exactly. the top of the hat. Yeah. Yeah. And if that fails, they'll just use taxpayer money. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, there have been several good memes. So uh, why don't we just dovetail, very professionally segue into our next segment. Mm-hmm shit posed of the week i brought a couple yeah nice um first I, I have one, one as well was uh shared into the lspw shitposting facebook group by John young shouts out for the layup assist there um this was original content from a page called the poor proles almanac hmm. which go and look them up they make uh you know comments memes, memes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so you got two frames here
1: I can already tell this is going to be a hard to explain audio meme.
0: Yeah, no, well, it's it, the, the very foundation of this podcast is <laughs> trying to choosing explain to explain, memes explain to uh, this visual medium and failing constantly. Uh, so get ready to enjoy, listeners. So, the first, it's, you've got two screen caps from The Simpsons. The first one is the one of Bart holding up a chair above Homer's head as he sits unwittingly in the bath.
1: Uh, he's about to break it on his back because he's just seen a stunt man do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the second screen cap is the same situation but reversed. Mm. Bart is in the bath. Homer is standing behind him holding a chair above his head and is about to crack it over Bart's head. Now, no, is this an actual screen cap from an episode of The Simpsons?
1: It really uh, ashames me to say on air, but I don't know.
0: Really? Because if it's a Photoshop, it's really good, but I don't remember could this. It be a Photoshop. Yeah. I don't remember this ever Homer's happening. Homer's also
1: got a bandaged yeah. head.
0: It's quite specific. Um, <laughs> I feel like it could be from the same episode later on. Yeah. Anyway, so you've got these two frames. The top one, Bart, who is labeled hedge fund managers, is holding a chair labeled manipulated stock pricing, and he's about to break it over Homer's head, a.k.a. The working class, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the bath is labelled 2008. Second frame, we're in 2021. Hedge fund managers, aka Bart, are sitting in the bath. <laughs> Homer, aka the working class, is holding up a chair labelled "manipulated stock pricing." Is about to crack it over Bart's tiny dome. Yep. Um, a really excellent meme that uh, <laughs> I just probably sucked most of the joy out of by explaining. Uh, you can check it out, uh, in the group or on the page.
1: Yep. I I just wanted to interject with one here. That was a tweet. Um, I don't, I didn't get the screen cap, uh, but it was, um, youth pastor, you know, who else messed up a market? (laughs) (laughs) It is one of the cooler things that Jesus did. He did it twice as well. One time he goes and he just pushes the tails over. And then another time he comes with his squad and whips everyone. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, most people do everything at least twice, if not more, in the Bible. There's a lot of redundant mm, retelling that is true. of uh, the same shit <laughs> happening again and again. But it's like, this time there were 63 tables instead of 41 that Jesus flipped. Um, the other post I brought, um, which here's another tenuous connection to Ospol mm-hmm. that I think we can technically, technically make here. A tweet from the Australian Greens, which says, the system's rigged, but you don't need Reddit shit posters to tell you that. <laughs> uh, and then this response from someone who I'm not even going to read out their because I don't think they need to get blasted any more than they <laughs> already, already have happy, been. Yeah. But somebody responded, they're not shit posters. They're Reddit users. This is bigoted and classist
1: tweet. Which is pretty incredible. There's been a lot of, um, you know, head-scratching, many-paragraphs-type trying to figure out what this person meant. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's
0: a, there's, quite, there's a fair amount to unpack here. But what I really wanted to start with mm. is they're not shit posters. They're Reddit users. Yeah. Which, even if you wanted to make that distinction because... For some reason. Well, Reddit is a big website. Right if you you know subreddits have different characters right right, and flavors the the reddit in question, which is called wall street bets that's which has since the- been nuked. Uh, and their Discord server for hate speech, yep. um, which apparently the hate speech was fine up until the point right, where they course. started fucking like, with the stock market. So the real there's hate no speeches. other Reddits
1: that have hate speech <laughs> of, on them. Of course.
0: <laughs> but I mean, the tagline for this group, where all of this stock manipulation yeah. is coming from, is literally like 4chan found a Bloomberg terminal. Like, that's the that's the description of the subreddit. Do you mm-hmm. know what a Bloomberg terminal is? No. It's, I'm very uh, confused. it's stock software, essentially. Gotcha. Okay. Bloomberg, is in Michael Bloomberg. Yeah, yeah. As in, like, it's a stock software that, like, or oh, stock exchange software that a lot of companies use. Gotcha. So, like, 4chan got a hold of a stock market computer. That's the and, tag like, That's exactly this group. what
1: happened in this. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, like, what do you think a shit poster is? Mm, like, if mm-hmm. it's not somebody who describes themselves voluntarily as somebody who came from 4chan, like, I just. I don't even know what to tell you. They're
1: not shit posters. They're effort posters. This is a bigoted and classist tweet.
0: I mean, I guess if you view this as effort posting, it's more, you know, I can see it being praxis from a certain perspective and, uh, therefore this becoming classist. But anyway, um, bad tweet. Yep. I'd say it's a fairly, uh, a fairly shit post. Mm-hmm um to be bigoted and classist about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um but uh that's probably enough about uh Game Stonks. Let's move on now to Positivity Corner.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is gonna be one of our classic Snackpod Positivity Corner slash awful terrible things corner. Um and I'm just gonna give a content warning I'm gonna talk about child sexual assault. Um it's not gonna be graphic, so you know Heads up, we'll put time codes in the notes, um, and you can skip past it if you want. Yeah, this story is about Malka Leifer, who has finally been extradited back to Australia from Israel, Um, and she's an alleged pedophile. Uh, She was a principal at an ultra-Orthodox Jewish school in Melbourne called Adas, uh, and she's been charged with 74 counts of things relating to pedophilia of various sorts that uh, happened in a four-year period that ended in 2008 though it seems likely that she probably did a bunch more offending both before and after that. Um, Yeah, and so these 74 charges pertain only to these three sisters who went to her school and were abused by her. Wow,
0: I didn't know that there was only... That's such a small number of
1: people. Yes, number of people. 74 charges, yeah, over four years. Fuck. Um, And so these three sisters are fabulous advocates um, and campaigners. They've been pushing for her to be brought to justice. They... Came out with this story in 2008 that led to, you know, the rest of the events that I'm about to cover in a moment. Um, and having life a face trial in Australia is a huge win for them. So, yeah, congratulations to to those three. And um, obviously they shouldn't have had to do that. So, yeah, that's um, classic positivity corner stuff, you know. But yeah, I, I thought I'd just give another recap of the story because you know we have mentioned it repeatedly on the show as developments have happened over the last year mm. or two. But it's quite a long and weird. It's, well, it's and been ongoing for ages. Horrible yeah. story. Yeah, yeah.
0: The extradition attempts have been ongoing for years. Yeah, yeah. Let alone the like alleged abuse.
1: Totally. Yeah. So in 2008, she was fired from her job by the school board because these three sisters came forward and told them about what had happened. Everyone basically knew it had been happening before then as well. Um, It was a very small, insular community, and everyone knew about it, basically. Uh, She immediately packed a bag and flew to Israel, seemingly with the help of some people from her school slash community. Um, And she, I guess you could say, evaded the law, but also she was, like, allowed by the Israeli government to live more or less freely in Israel for basically a decade until 2018, Uh, when she was arrested by Israeli police. And the reason that she was arrested in 2018, so she was living in a West Bank settlement, Mm. um, because, of course, she was. Jesus Christ. Um, Because, like, A, it's not really under the Israeli police in the same way. B, all of the people who live there are ultra-Orthodox Jews who don't have money or education. There's a really weird class situation where ultra-Orthodox Jews in Israel are often really badly educated. Mm. They're the most highly unemployed group in the country. Very strange. Um, but she was doing tutoring and so on oh, for Jesus the small Christ. children in this uh, West Bank community. Oh, that's so upsetting. Yeah. And there was some guy who lived there who basically took photos of her hanging out with children. Not of actual... I want to be clear, there wasn't more evidence of her offending there, but we can only assume that she was. Um, and so he sent this, these photos to the Israeli government. And eventually they basically sent some cops to go and get her. Um, so that was in 2018. And since then she's been claiming to be mentally unwell and unfit to stand trial or to fly. Um, and
0: really a very, uh, George Pell playbook.
1: Right. Yeah. Very much so. And in, in May, 2020, she was basically found to be entirely faking it. Um, there was like a, she she went through something like 60 different psychologists and psychological panels and tests and exams and whatever. And basically all of them found that she was faking it. And then eventually one really official one was like, she is officially faking it. Um, as someone with mental health issues, I feel kind of weird, uh, saying that. And like, I've no doubt this pedophile who's been on the run and who, her, you know, I'm sure she's fucked up. You know, I'm sure that is true. Um, but that doesn't mean she shouldn't stand trial. Yeah. 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 Like
0: whether or not, uh, accepting the opinion of like governments or authorities on the state of people's mental health is a good precedent to set. Right. And regardless of the, like how truthful she's being about her mental health, like if this shit happened, then it happened and that's a fucking full stop. Totally. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, she, there were photos, a footage of her going out shopping and like having chats with people and stuff and like being a normal person, um, at, whereas she was saying she can't like get on sit, a plane. sit in court or whatever. Right. Uh, so yeah, like, okay. yeah, basically bullshit. So in December, the extradition order was signed. And then this week she was finally flown to Melbourne, um, where she's now in quarantine in prison in an undisclosed location. Uh, and she has faced court once via video lick video link sorry and refused to speak um she basically sat there silently uh kind of moaning and slumped over the table um she wasn't actually required to say or do anything in the trial she was just being told what she was charged with um so she'll be back in court in april uh but there's this sort of this other story that's developed since then about a chaplain a, a jewish prison chaplain mm. who came to see her mm. uh and that chaplain has since resigned. This has all happened in like the last three days. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, because of conflicts of interest, because the people who run the Jewish prison chaplaincy program, it's run by Adas, the community slash school that she was the principal of oh, and who helped allegedly helped her flee to Israel. Um, after, you know, years and years of presumably ignoring the pedophilia that they all knew was going on. Uh, and another conflict of interest The chaplain is married to a psychologist who some of the children, these three sisters, went to see for counselling for help for their... What the fuck is going on here? What the fuck is going on is there's 150 families in this community. They're basically based in Ringwood in Melbourne. They all go to this one school. They all have the one rabbi. That's what's going on. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, so her lawyers are saying that she's not really able to practice her religion in prison, which I am 100% sure is true. Um, Because, for example, you have to drink wine on Friday night, and you can't get wine in prison. So, like, yes, she's not going to be able to practice her religion, just like no one else in prison can practice their religion adequately. Mm. Um, But I'm not sure this is really necessary. I don't think too many of our listeners are going to be too sympathetic to her, like, wanting to practice religion or whatever but i just kind of wanted to go into this because my religion i I think it's interesting sure side note but but in judaism for the most part laws and practices aren't compulsory uh it's not Mm. like in christianity you've got sins and if you do this thing then you're like you're bad Mm. it's more like you get points for doing good things Mm. um and one of the things that you get points for is drinking wine on a friday night obviously not yeah possible um, you also get points for not being a fucking pedophile. So maybe if she wanted to practice her religion, she could have not done all of those despicable crimes. So mm. anyway, that's just my thought. Um yeah. Uh
0: well, as Ospol Snakpod's Jewish correspondent, mm-hmm. uh I think I am Yeah. I'm I'm very happy to to uh to take your word on that. Yeah. Cool. Um That is a really, really horrible and upsetting story. But um, if this new development is going to bring any kind of uh, comfort Mm. or a sense of justice to the family, then Mm. I think it is positive for sure.
1: Totally. All right. Should we move on, Zach?
0: Yeah. So um, for our First Nations story this week, uh, I thought I'd just do a bit of a roundup of um, the Invasion Day Protests and rallies that happened last week, so in general, the rally seemed to have gone pretty well mm-hmm. across the country. Uh, the only one that faced any kind of major like official opposition was at uh, Jabba which is the gadigal word for the location of the rally in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, there were public health orders that said that you couldn 't have more than five hundred people congregate. Right. There was a last minute submission to uh, the chief health officer in New South Wales to get an exemption for the rally, and it was denied. Um, but despite this, uh, two, at least 2000 people showed up and I would say probably more because Mm -hmm. that number Mm -hmm. came from, uh, the media and these rallies are kind of chronically lowballed in terms of numbers uh, and official estimates. Um, but you know, like in the face of all this, of course, thousands of people are allowed to attend sports mm-hmm. events or go to the shopping center of or whatever course. like
1: footies back yeah, on yeah exactly
0: um it's you know repetition of the pattern that we've noted many times in yep. the show that public health orders are often being used as a method of suppressing pro- protest um uh five arrests were made at uh the city rally four of them were technically like after the protest mm-hmm. had finished um and one which was listed as uh breaching the peace which happened at the rally but the cop said the guy wasn't affiliated with the rally. So I'm guessing, right. that, I mean, that sounds to me like a, a an aggressive racist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so the, like basically the, the organizers there had to negotiate with the cops to like get the rally to happen in the first place. Mm-hmm. So they agreed to rally, but not to march, which they normally do. Sure. Um, but it went ahead, people attended and it was, you know, largely peaceful and fine. hmm. Um, seems to have gone well, um, some good footage came out of, uh, the rally at Ngambri in Canberra. Uh, a guy wearing a make America great again hat was, uh, like kicked out of the rally by, uh, the Aboriginal tent embassy police because oh, the cool. actual cops apparently weren't interested of in yeah, doing yeah. anything mm-hmm. to this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's very sweet footage of him just being like bundled into his truck by these, um, Amazing. <laughs> by these four guys. Um, and, uh, he drives away and then the person filming like turns around to reveal a massive crowd of people just being like, Boo, fuck <laughs> <you."> uh, yeah, <laughs> that was very good footage. Uh, and, uh, lastly, I wanted to just touch on what happened here at the NARM, uh, rally in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen estimates as high as a hundred thousand people for this. I don't know if that's true. Um, but I would say that uh, it is scientifically speaking a fuckload of mm-hmm, people that were, mm-hmm, were there. It mm-hmm. was it was huge, um, and importantly, I think this really disproves the idea, which has been disproven multiple times, but that large the idea that large protests are necessarily going to be health hazards. Sure, uh, it was very safe. Mm-hmm. I was there as a marshal, and my the team I was on we had this specific job of trying to encourage people to follow the COVID regulations, which mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. that you shouldn't be gathering in groups of more than one hundred. So, we had to marshal, uh, you know, the marshalling teams had the job of, like, trying to split, it were tens of thousands of people, for sure, into Into groups groups of 100 and send them off and make sure that they didn't, like, break apart or mingle. And if you watch footage of the march, like, everybody stayed in their groups. That's amazing. It took about two hours to split everybody into groups and get them marching. Once they were there, like, yeah, you can watch time-lapse footage of these, like, perfect little blocks of protesters moving independently down the street. It was fantastic. And I think, you know, my experience there uh, being kind of, you know, face to face with everybody, sure. like, you know, um, trying to kind of organize them, organize this massive crowd, everybody came with so much like respect, mm, I think it was mm. really important. Everybody, everybody was very cooperative. It was really lovely to see um, the, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, and I think that kind of puts the lie to the uh, Sydney health sure. orders particularly like yeah, it's extra yeah. bullshit. When you see that a far larger crowd can organize very safely and that like the same organizers were responsible for the black lives matter rally. Yeah. yeah which uh, we know was, was totally completely safe despite yeah. the constant rantings yeah, of yeah. conservative politicians. Um, the other thing uh, that happened at the uh, the Melbourne rally was Avi Yemeni showed up, mm-hmm. which he always does, mm-hmm. and he does what he does. He did what he does every year, which is like wander around until he gets like put in a cop van and driven a couple blocks away. If you want a little more info on Avi's uh, modus operandi for this kind of stuff, I can't recommend enough that you go and watch Tom Tanakey's
1: video mm-hmm. about it. It's just put up on I was on just YouTube. watching it this morning. It's really good. Yeah. Yes. He's also fly as fuck in that video. I don't know if he's got new camera quality or he's just like got a glow up or something. Hey Tom, (laughs) (laughs) Australia's boyfriend. A a
0: lot's kind of come together.
1: Yeah.
0: Tom, you're looking good. Yeah. Um, And your videos are fantastic. Go and check it out. But um, long story short, um, like Ivy's grift is Mm -hmm. to show up at these things, uh, get moved along by the cops because he's a fucking nuisance and then pretend to be arrested and then crowdfund. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, on the basis of all oh, my legal fees. Um, but, and this year he released a video from like inside the cop van. He'd it, like, he took it on his phone, sent it off and somebody else laid some graphics over it for him. Um, but, uh, and then he posted that video and then somebody pulled the metadata from I, I, it was either the rebel news website, which is the organization yeah. that he works for, uh, or maybe his own personal site. I can't remember, but they pulled the metadata for the cover image used for this, like, um, crowdfund my legal fees because I've been arrested video. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the image had been created five hours before he was even approached yeah, by the police. Yeah.
1: Which, uh, you know, I went to a bunch of activist school and activist training things, you know, camps, weekends, seminars, events, whatever. And that kind of forward thinking is crucial in good activism, right? Because, like, if you know you're going to, like, hang off a coal fire power station or whatever, you don't want to be being, like, what social media should we be doing? Like, you've got to have all of your images ready, you've got to have your messaging ready, you got to have oh, yeah. your, your, your shit Look, He's ready a
0: well-oiled to... grift machine. That's
1: what I was going to say, is yeah. that he's doing it for money. And and one of the points that Tom makes that I thought was really interesting is that Avi clearly doesn't actually care about the politics that mm. he represents no, or whatever. Really. Yeah, well, yeah, not really, at least. It's yeah. just kind of a convenient way to make money. Yeah. Um, and, like, that... It, he's raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for legal fees that he doesn't need, if he was putting that in like, political campaigning or, like, arming Nazis or whatever, you know, like, not that he would arm actual Nazis, probably Jewish, whatever, but you know, you know what I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, he could potentially be a lot more dangerous than he is. But, but... he's
1: too selfish and greedy to do that. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. Mm. Uh, so, go check out Tom's video on that. Uh, elsewhere at the NAM rally, uh, there were a couple of one-off racists who were dealt with pretty quickly by the marshals and then siphoned off by the cops.
1: A housemate of mine told me... A weird way to say that. My housemate told me uh, <laughs> that some guy like came into the middle of Flinders Street and blew up a beach ball. Yeah, and just kind of like looked around, waiting for people. And to was like was a a flag, flag. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, his beach ball was kicked away <laughs> relatively quickly. <laughs> yeah. He was surrounded and then taken away without be like the getting an opportunity to cause much trouble. Yep. Uh, a proud boy lost their hat. Which later showed up uh, on the head of Celeste Little uh, on Twitter, which um, was a very funny subplot from the day. Um, But so I think overall, like, you know, these little incidences of, you know, they're mostly individual racists Mm -hmm. showing up and trying to cause trouble. I think what they, that like, the lack of more organized resistance at the rallies shows, I think, that basically fascists have... Accepted that this is like tactically, they have to fall back on this day. There's no way that they can win. So it's, you get these kind of like individuals who sure. don't have much of a plan, yep. um, who can easily be dealt, or who with.
1: are there for a grift and not for trying to make any kind of impact. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: No. And that's I think that's a you like extra proof um, of, mm, uh, of mm. how disingenuous Rv Yemeni is. That's a great point, um, actually. Yeah. But you know, in Victoria at least. You know the real action for for the Nazis was not at the rally; it was elsewhere. So um, let's move on now to Fascist Australia. So the Age reported that over the Australian over the Australia Day long weekend, a bunch of Nazis assembled at Garraward, which is also known as the Grampians National Park. Uh, It's a couple of hours west of Melbourne for people who are not from Victoria. Um, so, you know, we, we're trying to show to be careful about the definitions that we use as before you said, you know, Avi is not a Nazi. No, no.
1: He's like... He's Nazi adjacent. Yeah. He's affiliated he with a people like, who are pro-Nazi.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, he's got a strongly white supremacist supporter base, but...
1: Despite being both brown and Jewish. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: But is he technically a Nazi? No. These guys are definitely fucking Nazis and happy to, like, apply that term to themselves. Um, So this is apparently a relatively new group, the National Socialist Network, um, uh, who organized this little Nazi getaway along with uh, the European-Australian movement. This is info that I'm getting uh, uh, from Mm Slackbastard, who is an anarchist blogger who documents far-right activities. Uh, we'll, We'll put a link to his piece about this in the show notes because it's a really good... Uh, summary of who these guys are and where they yeah, came from. Yeah. Uh, but essentially uh, this new national socialist network group was created by the Lad Society who have been around since 2017 uh, who themselves kind of emerge out of the collapse of the UPF. So there's like a really direct straight line between the Patriot movement that was ascendant sort of 2015, 16 mm-hmm. Blair Cottrell and those people. Mm-hmm. Cottrell himself is now rel- relatively irrelevant, but the groups that kind of emerged from that have evolved into what is now calling itself the national socialist network. Um, the fact that these guys are having a little Bush getaway, um, is not a new thing in general. Nazis going to rural areas to like have little training camps yeah. is like a decades old strategy, you know, neo-Nazis, uh, and it happens in a lot in the States, mm-hmm. you know, they have kind of little like enclaves and compounds, yep. um, in regional areas of the u.s uh but it's the same thing here in australia and obviously you know you're out in the bush there's much less like opportunity for somebody to for example call the police if you're like doing a whole bunch of violence yeah uh, uh, which is you know i think it tells you a lot of the fact that they chose this australia day weekend right they're not right. in the city then they're, they're not... not going to
1: the invasion day yeah, marches exactly they
0: they're, they're, they're a way safe from opposition. Yeah. You know, yeah. where they're where like, they can have, they, also, you know, they can outnumber anybody who might encounter them because they're a fucking pathetic cowards. not
1: know what to do with white supremacists. Like, they might be more sympathetic. They might not, given that we know that like metropolitan Melbourne cops are pretty pro-white supremacists, but like, they certainly don't have as much training about what to do if a bunch of Nazis come to town, you know? Like, I think that's definitely
0: part of it. Yeah. And that, you know, as well, like... There were uh, uh, between 40 and 50 of these Nazis assembled in the bush, mm. you know, like if you're talking about a local police outpost. They're not going to be, re- be able to rally the numbers of cops required to like deal with that situation that, you know, you have on hand in the city. Yep. Um, but so, uh, as I said, this is, the, you know, them gathering in the bush is not new. I saw someone on Ospol posting comment that they live in the area and have known of white supremacists gathering there since at least 2017, which also tracks timeline wise with the emergence of the lads society Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. I don't know if that's, you know, a connection. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's fucked that these Nazis are out here feeling like they can assemble freely. Um, and particularly, you know, out on gorgeous, uh, unceded indigenous land tweet here from Lydia Thorpe. She said, I'm disgusted that these KKK far right extremists were at Gary word on Gondajmara country, my grandmother's country.
1: Yeah, just KKK, like, um, you've got in the notes here that they literally burned across, cross, uh, which is something I used to have nightmares about all the time. Um, but uh, they also referred to themselves as the KKK when they were at, like, a barbecue site. They were harassing some people of color, and one of them was like, who are you guys? And he was like, we're the KKK. Um, yeah, these people are fucked. Anyway,
0: yeah. No, it's very uh superliminal racism, like mm, it's not yep, yeah, yep
1: yeah. there's nothing there's nothing s- covert or yeah, except I, literally being away from yeah people who might right, and so
0: going. i like the person who one of the key figures in organizing this group is a guy called Tom Sewell, who's yep. been uh you know a, a crucial organizer within the patriot and white supremacist movement in Australia for uh for number of years now um and you know he has basically his attitude at this stage is he he established the lad society and the lad society was kind of an attempt to create this facade of uh, respectability basically you know oh we're we're just like a fitness club Mm, mm. and you know once you start lifting with us then we'll sneak in our white supremacist ideology and he's essentially been like that approach was a mistake we need to stop pretending like we're conservatives. We right. just need to be very open about the fact that we're Nazis. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. interesting. The strategy. And that, you know, this is where I think talking about this stuff for us gets a little bit complicated. Mm-hmm. Right. And I posted this age article in the Ospol Posting Facebook group asking people what they thought of the reporting. Right. Because right. there's been quite a lot of conversation around this about how what's the best way to discuss this stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um and uh friend, confidant member of Inner Sanctum, uh, Hill Montado, mm-hmm. responded that basically any article from a mainstream media outlet is going to serve as press for these guys. Right, right. And that's what this outing was. Interesting. It's promotion. It's, hey, we exist. Look, we're all formed up, shirtless, faces covered, burning across, like, you know, your white brothers are out there. Come and join us. Mm. Like, you know, they know that this stuff is going to end up in the media. Mm. Now, I thought The Age did a fairly good job in this article. Like, you know, they didn't particularly air out the views of these guys beyond noting that they're fucking literal Nazis. Mm. I mean, I think they didn't use that term, but... Well,
1: they're calling themselves national socialists. So, it's like you could so made just... tomato. Yeah. 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 And,
0: and, and look, I mean, look, I, I don't have the qu- quotes from the article sure, in front sure. of me. So maybe they did use that term, but like, you know, I think they may- maybe did as good a job as they possibly can, but I think Hill's right in the sense that like, it, there's nothing you can put in that article that's mm. going to dissuade somebody who is like, I am a fucking white supremacist. I'm just looking for somebody to join and do this stuff with IRL. Mm. Mm. I need somebody to effort post with. And that's what an article like this does. I think in a lot of ways, so it's tricky, you know, to know how to describe, how to discuss it on the podcast. I mm. don't think that we, like, well, you know, I think it's very unlikely that there is anybody uh, in our listenership who might be a potential recruit for these organizations. Sure. Um, but, like, what we can maybe offer here that the age or the ABC can't is we can say, fuck these guys. Mm. These mm-hmm. guys are fucking pathetic cowards. Mm. They are absolutely just the scum of the earth is they are the, the embodiments of everything that is most wrong mm. with Australian society mm. and you know, like, and global politics in general. And like, if I don't know exactly how to be any more clear about this, but like these guys fucking suck. They're pieces of shit. Yeah. I mean, the opening line of the Sydney morning Herald article is like notes that like, describes a hiker walking this track and hearing waltzing Matilda, like, floating down through the mountains. These guys are fucking nerds. They're singing nursery rhymes to, like, hype themselves up. Mm. And that's not to say that they're not dangerous and that they're not scary. Yeah, Yeah. And, you know, that they don't use this, like, goofy clownish shit as kind of, like, a smokescreen. Yeah, But, like, they're a bunch of fucking pathetic nerds. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much clearer I can be about this.
1: I think the the nerd thing is really funny. Like, I... It just comes up in, like, any field, I guess. But, like, Nazis, they're It's like, you know, being race scientists and shit. Or, like, it's like phrenology, you know? Like, I'm not sure that any of these guys are actually into phrenology, but, like... they oh, they guaranteed some of them would be. I'm sure they know a lot about blood percentages. Um, See, and just, they're just fucking nerds just, about the worst possible thing.
0: Seriously, get into fucking Warcraft. Or, yeah. Or, you know, get a job. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um... <laughs> Uh, And, like, beyond that, I guess the other connection that I think that we can draw, you know, maybe more explicitly Mm -hmm. than a a mainstream news outlet is just to say that this, like, a lot of responsibility for this falls at the feet of the people who lead our country. Yes. Um, We went into a bit of a discussion an episode or two ago about how conservatives like Michael McCormack, Mm. when they tacitly or actively endorse... White supremacist talking points create the political environment in which people like these Nazi fucks feel like they have the ability to recruit and grow well, and show their like, you know, these guys don't literally show their faces because they're fucking cowards, but they are publicly presenting themselves and saying we're here, we exist. And yep. if you, if you agree with us, join us. This doesn't happen without people like McCormack, without people like Dutton, without people like Scott Morrison.
1: Well, I was thinking, you know, all of these groups, they, as you said, sort of sprang up around 2015 initially. And obviously like, there's a long history of white supremacy in this country and like active Nazis and whatever. But like, I feel like there's this sort of neo-neo-Nazi movement. Um, and I think a lot of it's because of Tony Abbott. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like we've kind of forgotten now and like... You know, the Victorian liberals still do this a bit, but, like, the whole, like, anti-Muslim thing was really actively concocted and developed and put out there by Tony Abbott and, and like, the two ministers who he occasionally listened to. Hmm. And, like, they did nothing in their time in office other than racially target people. Um, and so I think- Absolutely. Like, well, even these, more g- than...
0: these guys fucking specifically- Yeah. Like, I, I can't remember which one of these organizations it was. Read the Slack Bastard article. Sure. But one of them came together initially, specifically after Tony Abbott had talked about- <laughs> uh, Sorry, after Peter Dutton had talked about an epidemic of African gangs right. in Melbourne. So these people yeah. are being called to action yeah. by the actual literal leaders yeah. of our government. Like it's and you know aside from you can draw these much you know deeper historical connections mm, to the mm. fact that this country is founded on the ideology of white supremacy, that you know the white Australia policy was bipartisan for much of this country's existence, and that uh you know the weaponization of xenophobia, I think even going further back than than Abbott yeah, like sure, is, sure, is first comes into existence under howard, really like as you know, he whips he whipped that mm. issue up out of nowhere, mm. out of nothing, essentially. And absolutely, I think Abbott took that ball and ran with it. Mm. And his ideological successes are still at the top of the Liberal yeah. Party. Yeah. And Dutton is is the worst of them. But he doesn't exist and these guys don't exist without the lack of challenge from the supposed moderates totally. at the head of the party, including Scott Morrison. And Michael McCormack, yeah. those guys are fucking directly responsible for the the popularization and the strengthening of these guys. Uh, and and to be to to also just clarify one other point, I didn't mean to say that these guys came out of nowhere in 2015. Sure. I think, uh, and as Slackbuster goes into in his article, that these organizations themselves have roots. that go back at 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And there was a whole lot of Nazis in the 80s and stuff. Of course. And like, you know, it's, yeah, not, so it's you know, not new. It's, yeah. You have to see they are also this... internationalists, which is kind of funny because they're all nationalists. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. No,
0: it is. Well, you know, there's nothing rational about any of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, kind of the broader point here we're probably trying to make is that you have to see these Nazis as the logical conclusion of this country's political climate. They're not an aberration. You know, that like, and that this is not new. There are people out there have been tracking these guys for ages. Our security agencies aren't taking them seriously. None of them have been labelled as terrorist threats. They're out here burning fucking crosses Mm. in the open. Mm. Like, I just don't know how much more explicit you can get than Mm. that if you want to tell people, hey, we are actually going to commit acts of racist violence. Yeah, like, yep. Anyway, um, that went on a little bit longer than we intended.
1: Yeah, but uh, speaking of conservatives at the top of government... (laughs) You fucked up. uh, Anthony Albanese has announced a pretty huge shadow ministry reshuffle. Um, So... (laughs) (laughs) probably <laughs> much seamless transition <laughs> i'm enjoying it no thanks yeah. no uh, look, the,
0: fuck these guys as well yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely complicit 100% yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i mean the the labor party has deeply racist roots mm-hmm. like i said why they support the waste people fucking mm-hmm. bipartisan sorry
1: go on this is not specifically about racism this story is it, it was just a snarky transition but, yeah. no yeah. it's
0: more about the ambient
1: it's a binding thing
0: race racism yeah. yeah
1: it's literally yeah. mabo yeah <laughs> um so <laughs> For those who don't know, probably most of you know, but the shadow ministry is the opposition's, like... Uh, the, the party that's not in government, they have a bunch of people who are like, if we were in government, these would be our ministers. So they're like shadow ministers, right? Okay, so um, they all have portfolios that are like the department portfolios that the government have, and they kind of are meant to, like, this be the spokesperson on those issues for the yeah. party. Yeah. So Albo has reshuffled his shadow ministry um everyone used the word reshuffle like i can't. Even, he's rearranged them he's distributed it differently i just heard that word too many times anyway um <laughs> nine shadow ministers are changing more than a dozen portfolios including a few new ones so for example richard miles is going to get the national reconstruction portfolio which didn't previously exist is for like post corona economic okay whatever uh training has been renamed to skills and some other stuff whatever Great. There's a whole lot of detail about it. You can go look it up if you're interested. It, it doesn't matter Inclusive too much.
0: Incisive stuff.
1: Uh, hey, everyone. It's noon. Uh, in the segment you're about to hear, I repeatedly mix up Mark Dreyfus and Mark Butler. They're different people. And I repeatedly fail to
0: notice and call him out in
1: it. <laughs> sorry about that. I wrote Mark Dreyfus in my notes. I don't know where uh, i got from. So, mm, you anyway, know, sorry.
0: And, like, I knew it was
1: Mark Butler. Yeah.
0: I... We I did both too <laughs> yeah, kind of did. but look, you know, I, I, part of the point of this story is that it doesn't matter who any of these That's people are, point, in a yeah. way. So, in that sense, we were kind of emotionally correct. I hmm. think so. I think we can re- retract this correction and apology now.
1: All right, just forget everything you just heard. Back okay. to the show. Uh, but the. Big news that everyone is talking about about this reshuffle is that Mark Dreyfus will no longer be the shadow minister for climate and for energy, which are technically separate portfolios. Um, he's going to keep his job as a shadow attorney general and as minister for constitutional reform. Um, and he's being replaced by Chris Bowen, who was previously the shadow health minister. So, who are these guys? They've both got such boring names, as does the other person involved in this saga. They're they're just fucking Labour hacks, you know? And and the reason that this is big news is that it seems pretty transparently to be Albo conceding something to Joel Fitzgibbon, um, who is a Labour right guy who loves coal and has spent the last few years complaining that Mark Dreyfus was too aggressive about climate policy, which...
0: The term that uh, he used was overly enthusiastic. Yeah. Which... Can you be overly enthusiastic about not wanting the planet to burn to a crisp? Clearly, the answer is yes. Is it possible is yes. to be too enthusiastic about that? <laughs> yeah, Joel.
1: <laughs> Sorry, but also like he wasn't like the Labour Party have been so fucking piss weak and mediocre about the
0: well, planet. No, no it. exactly. But I and and I think this—that's the kind of core of the issue here. Mm. That being even even just like blandly pathetic on an issue classifies as being overly enthusiastic yeah. to like black-pilled hardline death cultists like Joel Fitzgibbon. Yeah, yeah. He literally wants people to die. That's yeah. what he's yeah. arguing for. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, but like, you know, to someone like that, his position is so fucking extreme. Mm, even mm. though he's, you know, in what's supposedly the, this yeah, alternative party to the people who want to actually kill us, but fucking whatever. Yep. <laughs> Like, his position is so extreme that somebody... Who act- has basically no position. Yeah. Is, is too extreme in the exactly. other, you're, other direction. You're now, <laughs> you're, you're now some kind of climate maniac. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh, what do they call us? That guy That guy commented on Climate addicts. Climate addicts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. What is it? It's that, stuck with that, us. Um, we, we talk about that every couple of weeks, <laughs> <laughs> that review. It reminds me of that Hari Kondabalu quote. Um, where he's like, telling me that I'm obsessed with racism is like telling a drowning person they're obsessed with swimming. It's like, yeah, I I'm, I guess I'm addicted to the climate. I do have to some like level. live in it. Yeah.
1: Like- <laughs> uh, so anyway, Mark Dreyfus was a labor-left guy, and Joel Fitzgibbon and Chris Bowen are both labor-right guys, um, which...
0: So, yeah, whether or not it constitutes like a material concession in terms right. of will we- we'll more or less be done on climate with this new guy. It's a tactical concession to Fitzgibbon. You replace a left guy with the right guy. Exactly. Yep. Um, but more generally as well, there's like rumblings of discontent in the Labour Party because, as we all know, Albo is a meat puppet stuffed with sawdust. He has no personality. Everybody Who completely
1: failed him. to fulfill the promise that he was elected to represent, which was to like be a progressive firebrand or yes. whatever. Yeah.
0: And he has not been that. Yeah. Um Bill Shorten has been complaining in the media. Uh, he said quote having a no policy approach would be a mistake. Um which like he's not wrong about that. yeah He also failed to win on the opposite of that though. Yep. So, you know. Uh but sorry, go on. I interrupt. We digress.
1: I just wanted to say I, my assessment of this is that Chris Bowen is a pretty reasonable person to take this portfolio actually. Especially if it has to be someone from Labour, right? Which I think that's silly, but like that's how their fucking stupid party runs, so whatever. Silly party. Silly party, thank you. I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that word. Thanks for the correction. Um, Look, Mark Dreyfus wasn't doing shit, and despite what Fitzgibbon reckons, and I'm sure that Chris Bowen will just as passionately continue to not do shit. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't
0: think anybody (laughs) has to worry.
1: Uh don't leave us suddenly <laughs>
0: like, oh no, they're going to be so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> this dude has been like a, you know, major figure in the party for over a decade.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He was big in the Gillard and Rudd governments when the carbon tax was introduced. And like, he has kept saying repeatedly in media appearances this week that climate is the biggest economic challenge of our times, which is true, even though it's a shitty way to frame it. <laughs> And he also so said sad. on ABC radio that Joel Fitzgibbon had been saying Labor should adopt the Liberal Party climate policy for years and that that was nonsense and he would not do that. So he's pretty aware that people think he's there to sub to Joel Fitzgibbon and he is at least saying that he's not going to do that, which I'm sure he's not going to do it any more than fucking Mark Dreyfus was. You know, I think he's going to keep the mediocre nothing of the Labor Party policy going steady. Yeah, That's my don't- guess
0: don't make any kind of waves because then nobody, nobody can attack you. But then you also functionally don't exist as a political entity, so nobody can vote for you either. Mm. Um, mm. But like from a tactical perspective, maybe the move here is that, like, Fitzgibbon will have a harder time speaking out against someone from his own faction. Which I doubt. Well, I don't know what his relationship with Bowen is like. Right, And right, sometimes, right. you know, you introduce this element of, like, personal relationship. Yeah, it, that's true. Potentially it makes it more awkward. For Fitzgibbon to speak out, like maybe Bowen can pull him into line more effectively than Dreyfus. I had
1: an interview with Fitzgibbon this week, basically being like, well, I'd asked for three things. Uh, One was a new money for a coal station in the Hunter Valley. One was for not Mark Dreyfus. And one was to get rid of the medium term climate emission goals and replace them with the Liberal Party target on the basis that there needs to be bipartisanship. And so he was like, I got one of my three things. It was the least important one. So somehow I don't think he's going to shut up uh, unless Chris Bowen does get actively worse. So...
0: Yeah, no, and he obviously has no problem politically wrecking his own party. Like he's no, been course, doing yeah, yeah. It vocally for the last couple of years. Mm. Um, so, you know, whether or not this works, I don't know. I mean, I, it seems to me that maybe that's the kind of tactical play from Albo that you like try to simmer down some of the more apparent internal conflicts within mm-hmm. your party in order to present a united front heading into what will soon be an election year. Like I do not think that this has anything to do with the environment is what I'm saying. No, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, and I, it's probably useless to try and analyze it from that perspective. In that perspective. Yeah. 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 Which I think what I'm saying is I couldn't agree with you more noon. <laughs> Good analysis. Uh okay in uh, classic Ozpol snackpod fashion we have talked for too long about all of our stuff and have to cut a bunch of stories. Uh we were going to do a mains this week on the big social media kerfuffle mm-hmm. um which is a story that we meant to talk about last week. You know, you know the little thing that shows up when you search for Google being like <laughs> please we're so we're so scared of Taxes, um, <laughs> uh, which so now we've cancelled that story twice in a row now. So I swear that we'll talk about it next week. I got all my notes
1: written, so we will boom, actually definitely boom. do it. We will next do it. Week. We will
0: yeah, do it. Yeah, because yeah. I don't understand anything about it, so I'm excited to learn from cool. you. No. Hmm. Um, I also have uh, had a story here about um, Anthony Albanese's. Um, suggestion at an Australia day function that we quote have a referendum on constitutional recognition for first Australians being held on 26th of January, because it would be a unifying moment for our nation.
1: And I'm not not sure how much you're going to go into this, but I I really like how you've structured the notes (laughs) in this section Zach. you've gone through word by word and basically been like, this is bad. This is bad.
0: Yeah. A referendum. Bad idea. Last time we did a plebiscite. That was really bad for the people involved. Mm-hmm. Constitutional recognition. There's a lot of debate about whether or not that is actually a worthwhile goal to, go- to strive for. Yeah. First Australians. They, nope. That's not the right wrong. Mm-hmm. First Nations people or Indigenous people. Yeah. Not Australians because Australia does not exist. It is a fictional colonial state. 26th of January. Well, you. why
1: the fuck would you choose that day for this thing? Because like- it would
0: unify the country, then. <sighs> It would unify the country. It's yep. the date of the greatest tragedy in the history of the world's oldest continu- continuous culture. So let's reclaim it. Um, also, like, what if, as is extraordinarily likely, yeah. the referendum fails? Mm-hmm. You're just, like, adding an extra trauma to that day. It's
1: so fucking wrong-headed. This is, like, beautiful, big-brain-centrist concept. It's like, here's something that one group doesn't like and here's something another group doesn't like let's put them together that's a compromise <laughs> it's like,
0: ah. no it's the perfect encapsulation of labor strategy yeah at the end of the day yeah, yeah let's walk a middle road where we piss off the absolute maximum number of people while also doing nothing material for anyone <laughs> that's that like mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't write a better summary of
1: uh the how Party's approach how them, this, this tweet from Elbow. Yeah. Uh,
0: anyway, that was our blurst take. I guess I'll play this thing. It was the best of takes. It was the blurst of takes. You stupid monkey. <laughs> um, yeah, great. Okay, cool. cool.
1: Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to be us for the week. Yes. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, please follow us on all of the social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. <laughs> Head over to patreon.com forward slash Ozpol Snackpot and give us one US dollar a month. Uh, and you can hear us talk more about how Nazis are bad. Um, plus it, as we mentioned up top, it helps pay for the transcripts that we're doing, that we're trying to make the show more accessible for more people. And
0: the website and hosting, the website... which hosts the transcripts. Um, plus, you know, I'm scheming on a new mic. Ooh. I don't know if or when we'll be able to afford that, but like, the, we initially set up the Patreon in order to pay Literally for Literally to like... buy new mics. Yeah. yeah well, because we didn't have any audio gear. Yeah. Um, we were just borrowing a single handheld recorder from uh, Noon's housemate uh, and producing extremely low-quality recordings. Mm. So, you know, the fact that I can get right up into the microphone like this is thanks to you, patrons. We really, really appreciate it. If you enjoy hearing me speak this close to the microphone, you can also support us for as little as... You've already done the Patreon. I did it, So yeah, we yeah. can move on now. It's time for...
1: <laughs> You're just on auto-shell mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no, it's more important that you share the show.
1: Yeah, and please like our social media posts. That actually... Because, <laughs> cause you know, we've got the posting Facebook group, go sign up, whatever. I'll post something on SnackPod, you know, the episode post or whatever. Share it into the group. 50 likes in the group. One like on the, on page, the page post. So, if you could like that post, it would mean more people would see it. R- retweet our dumb jokes. Zach, uh, sorry, our yeah, silly jokes. Thank you. Zach, um read deltora quest recently that's come up on our twitter (laughs) but it's pub date time
0: okay it's time to do a pub date i hear you've had a rainy day boy yeah yeah
1: (laughs) so uh i think this has happened elsewhere but here in nam it's been you know really fucking hot and then we had a cool change and then it rained basically continuously Mm. for 48 hours
0: it's been raining everywhere yeah including england well that's not surprising but like, it's raining everywhere. Huh.
1: La Nina. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, normally, Bagel doesn't really care that much. You know, I'll put on his little jacket mm. and we'll go for a walk. Mm. And he'll still get soggy, but not as soggy. You know, he doesn't mind. Um, but the, the other morning, it was, it was raining so hard. Got up, walked out, and was like, come, on, come do a wee. And he just, like, stood in the doorway of my room, looking balefully around the corner, <laughs> resentfully, in a... Um, yeah, and just literally refused to come out of my room until after midday. Uh he came out, did three poos, and then we went for a walk. <laughs>
0: yeah. Dante fucking hates the rain and mm. you can't you can't even get him outside to go to the toilet. Yep. Like he won't do it. And then when it stops raining, <laughs> like take him out to the front. And, and you just like will piss for like two minutes straight, <laughs> yeah. looking you dead in the face like Oh my god, I've been holding this for so long, bro.
1: There was literally nothing I could do. Like One of my favorites is when, you know, they start with the leg up and then it keeps going long enough. They sort of overbalance and have to put the leg down. (laughs) Very funny. (laughs) I mean, yeah,
0: Dante's managed to stay pretty cozy during the Mm -hmm. rain times because he doesn't go outside. He refuses. But as I said, he's got his comfy new donut bed, Mm -hmm. which he has been, um, (laughs) you know, reproachfully enjoying um, because uh, uh, Holly was sick for a few days this week and basically like set herself up on the couch downstairs Mm -hmm. where Dante usually sleeps. Um, and so like, (laughs) yeah, he was basically just giving her the cold shoulder all week. (laughs) Hey, that's my couch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, it's a very emotional young man. He is such a little princess, but, um, we love him for it. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that probably, uh, does it for this yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you very much for tuning in to an unusually rambly, I would say, episode yeah. of Pod. Not too over time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, we viciously cut our stories, mm-hmm. uh, as we, I, it's, it's really funny to me that we always like put, what's the main thing we want to talk about this week and put it right at the end of the show. Yep.
1: Like, <laughs> Um, yeah. Maybe we should do it immediately after the entree.
0: I have thought about it before. and yeah. like, I don't know. It's just, it's about balance. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like people who are going to listen to 60% of the show probably just want to get like
1: a couple of stories. They want to get the smallest yeah, board. Yeah, yeah. 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 And
0: and the like diehards, including you, if you're still listening at this point, mm-hmm. um, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> like are there for the deeper dies at Yeah, the end. Yeah. <sighs> Okay. All right, we're done. We've talked enough. Um, see, catch you next week. Keep on snacking in the free. Well, actually, we'll catch you later today if you're a, a Patreon mm-hmm. supporter for the bonus episode. But otherwise, catch you next week. Keep on snacking in the free world.
1: Fuck the national socialist movement. Crunch, crunch. <laughs>